0: Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And welcome to the online watches this morning. We hope you have a blessed service with us. What a great service. What a great way to start January already. And we're going to continue the theme of what Mark started last week. Mark McLennan shared a great message on loving God and loving people. And this morning, I want to focus on loving God. It's amazing how the messages just kind of segue, and I think the Holy Spirit has a plan. And so this morning, I've entitled my message, The Battle for Your Focus. 2023, so much on your mind already. Mortgage, interest rates, inflation, family, Holidays, travel, health, kids, building plans, all of these things. And there's so much trying to get your attention. And it's so easy for us to, try to get distracted. And the enemy would love for you to get distracted. And this morning I want to spend a bit of time focusing on two of the main things I think that you will be tempted in, in this year. At any time, it's not just a New Year's kind of message, but at any given time in your life, I believe the enemy is going to try and get you distracted and not want to focus on these two things, and they are Jesus as your Savior and Jesus as your Lord. And they are used in the scriptures interchangeably. And uh, I want to focus on what they actually mean in our lives, in our ordinary day lives. And so let's read together 2 Peter 3. You, therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware that you don't fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Grow in your knowledge grow in the grace and your understanding of these two concepts. So let's get into it. I'll start with the one we love usually, Jesus, our Savior. We love that word, and we all need a Savior, don't we? But in the Western world, we kind of get a bit apathetic to that concept because we we look out in the natural, we see people live a kind of a decent life. You know, they're respectable. They have a job, they do their work, they don't make trouble, they don't kill people. And they just kind of tick over day by day. You know, but in, in the spiritual, that's not how things are, is it? When we look at the spiritual sense, we know we're morally bankrupt. But like the Pharisees, sometimes we just look on the outer. We just kind of think, oh, I don't need a, why do I need a savior? You know, many years ago, I um, discipled a guy called Tim. At the age of 24, he voluntarily booked himself into a rehab. 24 years old, he knew he had a problem. He knew he had, needed a savior. His system was failing, his liver. At the age of 24, for many years, he hadn't looked at himself in the mirror because he was ashamed of the person he was. He got involved in gangs. They would just beat people up for fun. But one night, he decided, I need a savior, and he booked himself into a rehab. And sometimes when we look at people like that, we package that, no, no, people like that need a savior. But in our Western cultures, we don't really need a Savior. But as I said, spiritually, we all have to be born again, the Bible says. Let's read Acts 16, verse 30 to 31. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Acts 4, 12. And there is salvation in no one else. For no other name under heaven has been given among men by which he must be saved. No other name. We sing that song, no other name. Jesus is the answer to be saved. On earth and eternally, spiritually, in our lives. And it's a faith thing. We need to put our trust in him at some stage in our lives. So let's look at this definition of Savior. The Greek word, "sutare." means savior, deliverer, preserver. This word in the Greek was also given to Greek gods, like Zeus, Apollo, Hermes. You know these, these movies that they make, Thor, Fantastic Four, all these things. It's just another take on what we might describe as Greek mythology, but what I believe the Bible calls men of renown. And if you start looking into those things in Genesis, Nephilim, etc., I believe it might not necessarily be a myth. But Jesus is the ultimate savior, isn't he? He makes those characters look like a picnic. But this word comes from the root word sozo, which means savior, to save, to keep sound, to rescue from danger or destruction, injury or peril to save from suffering and perishing, to save in the technical biblical sense from Jesus' judgment, the messianic judgment, to save us from our sin. So it's to save us on earth and eternally in our spiritual condition. And so I believe being born again is almost like that spiritual umbilical cord being reconnected with God. And we can read Romans 8, 15 to 17 in the message. It says, when we become born again, our spirit, God touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. And that's the requirement. When we become born again, our spirits reconnect with God and instantaneously we know It's not a journey towards enlightenment. It's not a journey towards understanding. Immediately when we are born again, we know. We have that assurance that we are born again. And so a question maybe for the skeptics. I always love to ask, if if you're very adamant about, you know, being anti-God, I just ask a question. In sincere humility, do you know everything about engineering? Do you know everything about biology? Do you know everything about the weather? Do you know everything about the sea? Do you know everything about humans? Do you know everything about everything? And the answer is no, don't we? We don't know everything about everything, which means there are some things we don't know. So at least be open-minded and humble enough to say, I'm a skeptic rather than making a decision saying just outrightly I don't believe because you might not know everything there is to know. And so, you know, there's so many things, and this is not an apologetic message, but I just thought, I just mentioned the Fibonacci sequencing. Some of you might have heard about the golden ratio, Something so unique like this points us to designer, intelligent design. And you can look at it for yourself, but in nature, in human beings, in music, in maths, there is something that's so consistently being used that it points to intellectual design. And when we look at intellectual design... You can't look for the savior in the product. When you have a computer, when you have a car, you can't look for the builder in the car. The builder is outside of the car, or the mobile phone, or the device, or the bridge, or the house. Same with God. If you look for a savior, he's got to be big enough to be outside of your world to be your savior. So it's not gonna, you're not going to find him in the natural. You can find him in the supernatural, in the unseen world. But ultimately, we cannot convince anyone to believe. It's a hard decision at some stage. You can never convince anyone to believe with facts or theories and stuff. At some stage, every human being needs to get to eyeball God and say, I believe. And so the second part of Savior, just quickly for those who've already made God their Savior, The battle for your focus this year is going to be for you to forget that Jesus is your Savior. The devil's going to try and tempt you and say, you're hopeless. There's no way you're ever going to get through this, to make you feel destitute, to make you feel like there's no help. And I want to remind you, Jesus is now your Savior. You don't have to worry about trying to help yourself. Do you know that God knows the very hair on your head, on your body? Do you know He's so aware of you? He put the promises in His Bible. God put the promises there, not man. And if He put it there, He is responsible for the fulfillment of them. He is your Savior. And so often we forget and we try and save ourselves and we lie awake at night, we get stressed out. But I want to remind you this here, Jesus is your Savior. Go to Him. First up, and bring your problems to Him. Which leads me to the next part, because for Jesus to be your Savior, He needs to be your Lord, because are you willing... To let go of control. That's the scary part. And so let's look at Jesus as my Lord. Acts 10:36. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Jesus is Lord of everything, over everything that you can see. And not see. And it's good to remind ourselves because sometimes we think there's a problem that's too big for him to handle. He can take care of your headache but not cancer. He can take care of a little problem here but not your marriage. Jesus is Lord over everything, seen and unseen. And you say, Jacques, that's that's kind of a scary word, Lord Can't you use a different word? I like the Savior bit. And we use it interchangeably in life. And we might think it's mutually exclusive, but they're mutually inclusive. You get the whole package when you go with Jesus. And it's like the same word almost we use in marriage. Submission. Did he say submission? That's so 80s. This is the year 2023, Jacques. What's going on? Yeah, you might think of words like that when you don't understand the meaning. But let's unpack submission quickly sub, under, mission, imported assignment. Submitting in marriage one to another is coming under. The mission, the important assignment that God has assigned for each individual in that marriage. And as we lift the other person up and we support them in their God given purpose, they lift us up. And we don't have power struggles. But if only one person is committed to that, or not both, that's when you get power struggles. That's when it, there's doubt. That's when there's no clarity. And it's the same with the lordship of Jesus. When you're not fully committed and submitted under his lordship, you have doubt. You struggle with clarity. You struggle with things and power struggles. Is it real, is it not? Where am I going with this? The same with God. We use Savior. We like it. But the Lordship is hard. Lordship is hard for me because we fail often. I fail often. But we want the benefits that comes with Jesus, the Savior part, eternal life. We want healing. We want restoration. We want provision. All these things. We want deliverance. We want love, joy, peace. But do we want the kingdom of God and His Lordship over us giving up our right? and control. The irony is, people, like submission is a good word, supporting, uh, coming under the mission, lordship is a good word because it's for our benefit. When we come under the lordship of Jesus Christ, it enables us to be set free, made whole, delivered. Have joy because he is Lord of all. He is Lord of our problems. And we, we, when we come under his lordship, he is able to sort out those problems for us. It's for our benefit and not to steal our fun. And we forgo our entitlement because we trust him. He's love and we don't have to worry about it. He's our father. We said it earlier. We sang the song, we as children, if we really believe that He's a good God, we can relinquish that control and trust because He will look after us. He will not abuse the fact like we might think people and human beings abuse power or dominion. A question that comes up often in conversation why aren't we seeing more miracles these days well for me there's no silver bullet answer and I want to be very watchful in my response to them but I believe one of the reasons is that we don't fully understand the Lordship and grace we read it earlier of God, because grace isn't just God's pity on us, His token of pity when we repent, grace is actually an empowerment to live our Christian lives successfully, he came to give us Zoe life, God kind of abundant life here on earth, and I believe personally, I'm speaking for myself now personally, I have found most often in my life the problem lies with me and not God. And I want to be careful not to pass judgment on God's will and His ability based upon my own experiences and circumstances and my own failings in life. And God willing, until I die, I want to believe everything is possible with God. And He's true to His word and His promises. Which brings us to the point where we can firmly believe Romans 8.28 that we spent a lot of time on last year. All things work together for good to those who love God. Stop. Stop right there. Who love God. Before we get to the end, we focused a lot on the end last year, didn't we? Just quickly, how do we love God? 1 John 5, verse 3, in the middle there. In fact, this is love for God to keep His commandments. Verse 3, this is love of God to keep his commandments. So how do we love God? The Bible says keep his commandments. We, we don't even fathom how we can love a good, big, gracious, all-powerful God. And the Bible just says, if you want to show me you love me, obey my word. And I've put another one on there. Don't quit on God. Get up. If you fail, get up again. You've got an advocate with a father. Get up and keep going. Don't quit on God. He will never quit on you. Rinse and repeat. And if we fail in that, his commandments, I fail, we get back up and just keep going. Don't quit on God. And so now when we get to Romans eight twenty eight. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. If it isn't good yet, I believe God isn't finished yet. If you bring your part and you love God the best of your ability, you submit to His Lordship, He is obligated to fulfill this Scripture. And if you can't say anything good about that yet, he isn't finished yet. So, just quickly, two things. Practically, how do you make God Lord of your life? For me, communion and fasting. And I won't touch on communion, but. Just briefly on fasting, if we read Matthew 17, 20 to 21. Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move. And it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now, I believe Jesus is addressing their unbelief in verse 20. Because of your unbelief. So for me, fasting, I have seen in my own life, deals with my unbelief. Fasting isn't there for you to deal with the demons. Fasting is for you to deal with you. And once you've dealt with you, you're enabled to deal with the demons. And fasting brings control. Fasting helps you get in that zone. Because I don't know about you, but for me, it's very hard to stay in that zone with God consistently because of the struggles because of ordinary day life when you wake up in in the morning there is no way you're in that zone unless you're a really cool morning person i used to be a morning person but i struggled to get in that zone but fasting really helps you get in that zone with god and get rid of your unbelief that you can believe him for things and breakthrough and it's almost like when you surrender lordship of that area in your life that you've been keeping you see success and spiritual clarity in other areas too it's almost like it's a catalyst to see you spiritually grow and mature in God so this morning i want to pray for you two groups of people for God to be your savior and your lord 2023, a lot of challenges, a lot of battles for your attention. So let's bow our heads and pray. And if you want to make Jesus your Savior for the first time and your Lord for the first time, just raise your hand and say, I'm in. I'm not going through life again Without God, without Jesus, we're going to pray for you this morning. Anyone want to raise their hand? The second group of people I want to pray for this morning is the Lordship of Jesus Christ. If there's an area in your life or circumstance in your life that needs Jesus to have dominion over, to be Lord over that area, raise your hand. We're going to pray for you this morning. We're going to believe Jesus and His Lordship will infiltrate that area of your life and bring peace and restoration and healing and deliverance. Many hands going up this morning. Anyone else, don't miss this opportunity. Whilst the Holy Spirit is present, whilst the power of God is present, we're believing for God this morning, for His Lordship to reign over your circumstances and your life and your body. So, Father, this morning, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your Lordship. It's a good thing because every single knee will bow and every tongue confess Jesus is Lord. And sickness and darkness and circumstances we don't know about or understand, submit to your Lordship. We speak healing. We speak faith. We speak the name of Jesus over these areas. We declare restoration. We declare, Lord, you come in Holy Spirit with your power and you set free, you make whole and you deliver, you assist, and there will be great testimonies and joy and peace in their lives. And help them, Father, to bring their bodies into subjection. In the future, in the name of Jesus. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit